Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. To every one of you here, those who are joining in online and on air, it's a privilege, it's a blessing to be here. I bring you greetings from my family. They couldn't be with me today because it's all school arrangements to go back today. One goes back today, another goes back tomorrow. But I also bring you greetings from the southern district of Luboa and until you receive them. Amen and amen. Well, let's pray and get into God's word, shall we? Now, Lord, I thank you that your word is with us today. There was a time in history where the word of God was very scarce. But we want to thank you that that word is alive and with us today. In the person of Jesus but in the written word as well. So speak to our hearts, change us, transform us with your word, and may your word bear fruit in our lives today. Bless your servant in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. The last three weekends have been weekends where we took a bit of a pause to focus on a couple of aspects of the church and to spend a bit of time in prayer. And today we want to return to the book of First Corinthians. Amen. We want to do that. And then next weekend we'll wrap it up as well. Uh, with chapter 15 and then 16 will pick up itself at another point as well. But that's what we want to do. And very specifically today, I want us to dive back into chapter 11, verse 2 and 16. And this is what it reads according to the NIV. It says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head and every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is just as though her head were shaved. If a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off and if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or shaved off, She should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason and because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as a woman, as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman, but everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For long hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. Wow. This portion of scripture is so loaded with so many things to talk about. In fact, after the first service, someone walked up to me and said, Pastor, you didn't say anything about men's hair. I thought to myself, what about me? But you know, it's, it's all right. It's all right. But there's so many things to say in this portion of scripture that it's easy to get lost in there to appreciate the very basic principle that Paul is speaking about. Whereas there's many things to say, I want to narrow down to just one simple principle that we need to appreciate in this whole portion of Scripture. And that's a principle of order and authority. That's what I really want to talk about. When we read the book of 1 Corinthians and through the study we have gone, we have had so far, we've come to realize there's one of those underlying principles in the book of 1 Corinthians. And that is the fact that the 
the believers were misusing their freedoms. They were misguided. They had misunderstandings about their freedoms in Christ Jesus. And so, they, that, so Paul even writes to them in chapter 6. You see that again in chapter 8 where he says, I know you guys say that I can do everything and everything is permissible for me. But I want you to know this. Not everything is beneficial for you. So don't do everything because not everything is beneficial for you. Now, when you take notice of this portion of Scripture here, you will realize that that, that freedom was beginning to infringe on God's designed order and authority that He has set in place. It was beginning to infringe on what God had destined, uh, had already predestined and established as an order for society. One of the things you should see in verse 4 to 6, one of them seems that the ladies, having received their freedom, began to reject any form of authority that was over their lives. And very specifically within the context of Corinth was the head covering. The head covering was a symbol of authority that the woman was submitted to the authority of her man or her husband. You know, it was a symbol of dignity, actually. It was a symbol of honor. It was a symbol that showed that this is actually a woman. So that dress code was an order and authority that lined up with the principle of who God is. The order that God has set in place. But by the removal of that, they were really saying we are rejecting authority. We are rejecting this order here. We also want to be like the men. That causes chaos. On the flip side, the men were now putting on the veil when they came to church. And, and, and that's confusing. Because men weren't supposed to dress like what? Women. The head veil was reserved for the woman. And we're beginning to see that there was a a cross-dressing, technically speaking, within public worship. And what that was doing for both scenarios is that when women came with their heads uncovered, it, it was a problem and a disturbance to the community because within their context, that made something very significant. But on the other side, when the men put it on their head, and well, put it on their head, it was also disturbing because men ought not to put on a veil over their head. So it was bringing confusion in the place of worship. And as you think about it, whereas that was within the context of the Corinthian church and the context of Corinth, when you think about it in our present day, you, you, it, it is not far from us. Over the last number of decades, we have come to know that there is a false ideology that has pushed feminism, that has pushed women emancipation. So much so that the pendulum has been swung to the other side and anything to do with male authority is being emasculated or rejected. And we know that because of that, there's a lot of breaking in families, in society, in community, happening all around. Yes, we do recognize that family has already been broken before, but when you swing it to the other side, then you take it even make it worse. That's why we need to preach the message today about God's order and authority to reestablish that truth. But not so far from us now is the cross-dressing problem. Men are dressing like women. Women are dressing like men. Men are, dress, are behaving like women. Women are behaving like men. That's confusing. That distorts God's established order. It distorts God's established system for social living. It does. It brings confusion. It's so confusing that nowadays people do not know who a woman is. They can't define a woman. That's how bad it has become. So today, as I speak about God's design for order and authority, I want to bring us back 
to the essence and the ethos of God's word so that when we once again embrace God's order and authority that has laid over our lives and upon us, we can be able to flourish, we can be able to thrive, we can begin to enjoy our relationships, we can be able to see a society that is wholesome, a society that is full of peace, a society that is growing, families that are thriving. Why? Because when you embrace God's order, it will cause you to thrive. In rejecting God's order, we bring chaos, we bring pain, we bring brokenness, hopelessness. You know, from the very wide go, when Adam actually ate that apple and sinned against God, that was the very first move of the rejection of God's authority over him. And we know from the, down the chain of history that that one act of sin has caused so much trouble to all of us to this day. But I'm here to tell you there is hope. If we would embrace the person of Jesus, if we would embrace the truth of God's word again, we can see our families changed. If we would embrace God's order and the authority he has set in place, we can begin to see your lives healed, your lives transformed, your family experience goodness, the church beginning to grow and thrive. If you and I would allow for the redeeming power of the Holy Ghost and the redeeming power of Jesus to impact our lives, we can see that change take place. So I'm here today to challenge you and I to return to God's design for order and authority. And from this portion of scripture, there is three principles of that order and authority that I want to bring to you that we must all embrace. And that, that is, let me say this, from this portion of scripture, there could be many others elsewhere, but from here. Three principles of God's honor and authority. One is this, and I'm sure you're going to like this one. Man is the head of the woman. I should have had an amen from the ladies. Um, but we will leave that for another moment. Verse 3 states and says this, that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is man. You see, in rejecting or in removing their veil, they were really dishonoring their husband. They were really disregarding the male authority that God had given to them as their husband. And, but the Bible is telling us that the head of every woman, of the head of woman is who? Is man. Now, many scholars have wrestled with the word woman there and man there and woman there. But very specifically, the word woman there within its context really means wife in that particular context that I'm sharing right there now, is, is, that, is that the man has authority over his wife and subsequently his household. But what this scripture does not say, it does not say that the woman should submit to every man she comes across. It does not say the woman cannot have authority in the marketplace. Mm -mm. It does not say that the woman is less than. No. What it says is that when it comes to God's order of authority in the home, the woman submits to her husband. It's okay, you don't have to clap. Seriously, that's the word of God. You see, there cannot be two heads. It has to be one. If there are two heads, it's a beast. And that's the problem with the push of feminism that is pushing for equality. Let me tell you this. Equality is not about position. 
We shall learn about this a bit later. It's not about position. So God's ordained order and authority for the man to be, is ordained that man should be the head of the woman. But what does that really look like? It means that the man must lead his household, must lead his wife in accordance to the authority that's over him. And the authority that's over him is Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. It is as the exercise of my authority over my wife and my children has to reflect Christ's love and commitment to the church. For he laid down his life for the church. He cleanses, him, cleanses the church with water for the purifying that he might present a bride that is pure and holy and whole. That he might nourish and protect her. My authority as a husband is really given to serve my family, not to enslave them. It is to, it is to, to nourish and to protect. It is to lovingly lead and not dictate. That's what it is. So when the Bible says man is the head of the woman, it qualifies it. It has to be as Christ is the head of the church. So my brothers and, not and sisters, my brothers, God has given you a mandate. That authority, by the name of this, is borrowed authority. So don't walk on and levitate in the air feeling like, yeah, I've arrived. No. You are simply a servant of the Lord in the position of a husband. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, someone like Pastor, you're making the men feel small. No, you're not feeling small. By the way, the, the sooner you embrace this, the sooner you embrace this, the more effective you'll be as a husband. What does that also mean? It therefore means that it therefore means that the woman has to what? Submit. If the man is the head, the woman has to what? What is submitting? Submitting doesn't mean you're a door rug. Submitting means you yield to the authority of another. Submitting means you obey the other. Submitting is you yield your rights to the leadership of another. That's what submitting is all about. You come under the authority of another. You submit you come alongside your husband in order to be, to, in order to, um, to support the, 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 the dream and the purpose that God has given him for your lives as a family, for your lives as a couple. You do that. Your role is not to fight to be the head. Your role is to submit. Does it mean you're voiceless? No, 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 it doesn't mean you're voiceless. In fact, let me give you the illustration from our very own founders, Pastors Gary and Marilyn. Many years ago when they came to Uganda, and they tell this story, um, uh, Gary told Marilyn. Um, Marilyn was a bit, you know, she was, <laughs> the, the, the environment was hard. And she's like, Gary, I, you take me back to Canada. Take me back to Canada. Gary said, okay, when we reach a thousand, I will take you back to Canada. He said, okay, 
She walked, she walked, she walked, she walked, supported. They reached 1,000. said, Gary, we have reached 1,000. Can I now go back to Canada? And he goes, Marilyn, this is what God is doing. Let's go for 5,000. And I promise you at five, this one, you have my one. At 5,000, we shall go back. She walked, they walked, they walked. 5,000. Gary, can we go back? Now, Gary is a visionary. So he was seeing the potential that God has said, now, you know, I see that we can reach 10,000. I know I said I can take you back, but can you allow that we, 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 we go to 10,000? Submissive as she is, she says, okay. When 10,000 came, this time she came to Gary and said, Gary, we have reached 10,000. Gary said, I'm a man of my word. Let's go back to Canada. And she said, nope, we are staying put. Because I have chosen that I'm going to submit to what God is doing in your life. Right there and then. I want you to notice the, 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 the interplay there of roles. Is that Gary gave leadership. He did not domineer. He did not dictate. He shared vision and he called and invited her to this thing here. And she willingly submitted and yielded. And eventually, indeed, as God worked it in her, she said, no, this, is, this, this one, we are together with it. Look what, 40 years later almost. We have 16 compasses by the grace of God. So husband, wife, you're meant to thrive. Lead, submit in harmony. In fact, Ephesians 5.21 says, out of reverence for Christ, submit to one another. Praise God. So that's the very first principle of order and authority that I want to bring at you. The second principle of order and authority that we must embrace if we're going to thrive in our communities, we, we must embrace this one. And, and it's a bit of a sticky one, but I have to say, it. The, the, the second principle is simply this. There's only two genders. God established it at creation that there would be only two what? In the beginning, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 that God made man in his image. In the image of God, he made them male and what? Female. No confusion. Now, when you read the portion of text we have just read, I said there's a lot to be said and to be said about it. But I want you to appreciate this. Paul is really trying to say this from, from verse 4 all the way right through to verse 7. He's really saying this, that men ought to be like men and women as women. Let men dress as men ought to dress and women as women ought to dress. Let men behave as men ought to dress and women as women ought to, rather. Men behave as men and women behave as what? Women. You see, when we leave out the masculinity that God has given to us, the femininity that God has given to you, when you leave it out in honesty, when you leave it out by the principles of God's word, you bring honor to his name. You, I, I want you to pay attention. I'm giving you the highlight principle. When the man put on his, uh, the, the, the veil, it was dishonoring to God. When the woman removed the veil, it was dishonoring to God. So when as a man, I do what is contrary to me as a man, I do things that are for women, I behave like a woman, I, 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 I dress like a woman, I'm actually dishonoring God, I'm disregarding God's authority, I'm rejecting His authority, and by doing so, I am bringing disgrace to my Lord Jesus Christ. Same for the woman if she does that. Deuteronomy 22 and 5 says this, A woman must not put on men's clothes, and a man must not put on women's clothes, for it is a detestable thing to the Lord. 
and, 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 and the culture around us has made it feel like it should be okay. It is not okay. You know, I thought about this, Pastor Brian, after first service. I didn't know this because I, I, I grew up seeing a musician, a certain musician who would palm his hair. And, you know, there's a musician. I think some of you know who I'm talking about. And, man, I, 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 I also palmed my hair. I think that's why I lost it eventually. did it from a place of innocence but now that I know that is for the woman that I look good it's for her it's her glory hallelujah and, and, and honestly speaking the world is so confused with this thing called cross-dressing you find I mean imagine I came to church one day God forbid that I showed up in high heels and a skirt Okay, with my hairy legs and, and lipstick, and they used to call it cutex, now it's called vanish. You know, vanish. I, and I'm here and I'm preaching, Jesus, Jesus. No, no, no. I'm a man. I sound like a man. I look like a man. I'm born a man. My, my, my gender wasn't assigned at birth, God gave me my gender. Let's not bring confusion. It is the order of things, friends. They diagnose a thing called gender identity disorders. It has a different name now. I think it's, um, I forget its other name, but the gender identity disorder. And it's that place where someone feels that though they are biologically male, they feel they are woman, and therefore they give you treatment to make you, to make you fully woman. Let me say this, and I'm going to say this very loud and clear. Because of sin, there's a distortion in some of our emotions, in some of our hormones. But that feeling should not define your action. You should let the word of God guide your action. It, you may have felt it, and we know it happens, but don't let, science has lied to people. They're giving kids puberty blockers. As young as 13 and as 10. They're transgendering these kids. I, 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 I've watched a couple, I've watched about two or three interviews of, 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 of people who have now, they call them detransitioned. And they came to the realization of, of the fallacy of genderism, of transgenderism. One of them wanted... To, 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 to uh, a lady in particular, I think she's called Chloe, wanted, can't you realize that one day she wants to breastfeed, but they had already cut off her breasts. She was just a young 19-year-old girl. Let me say this to you. God created you uniquely male. God created you uniquely female. Celebrate what God gave you. You may have felt it. And I want to tell this to someone out there, someone in here. There is still hope. You can come out of that place. That is why Jesus came. The Bible says Jesus came to redeem us from sin. God can redeem you from whatever you have been in right now. Whether you're transgendered, whether you, you, you change your sex, God can still redeem you.
Praise God. My heart really beats for this one because of what I have watched. It's, it's really a pain. So let me encourage you as Christians. Don't just go with fashion. Dress up decently as a man and as a woman. Don't dress up in a way or act in a way that confuses people. No. Be a man, be a man. Be a woman, be a woman. In fact, let me even qualify that statement. Be a godly man, be a godly woman. Amen. By the God loves every one of you who may have struggled with this transgender problem. And he's ready and willing to redeem you. All you have to do is say yes. But the third principle of God's order and authority that we must embrace so that we may flourish in our families and society is that men and women have the same value. They are of equal value. They are of equal significance. They are of equal worth. You see, when Paul is talking about the, the order of authority and the hierarchy of authority, that hierarchy is really for administration. That hierarchy is really for, for order in society, that things may work well. That, that is what it's about. It's not about superiority or inferiority. To the contrary, in verse 10, Paul says it's in the Lord. However, a woman is not independent of a man and a man is not independent of a woman. For as a woman was got from a man, so man is now born of a woman. And everything comes from who? From God. What that therefore means is that because we are all from God, we all have the image of God, therefore we all are equal before God. Every man and every woman is created in the image of God and because of the image of God inside of them, they are able to know this truth today that they are equal in worth and in value before God. Back to chapter, back to verse 3, it says, the head of Christ is who? Is God. Does that mean that Christ is less? When we read the Bible, we know that there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is fully God and fully man. The Holy Spirit, though unseen, is fully God. Just like the Father. They are co-equals, but different responsibilities and different roles. Some, honestly speaking, the, the Trinity is not an easy one to understand. But Jesus teaches us something. The Bible says in, 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 um, in Philippians chapter 2, Though he was equal with God, something not to grasp onto, he humbled himself to the will of his Father. Why? Because he was thinking about you. It did not make him less God by coming to the cross. No, instead, he was proving to you and I that because he is God, he, he can work the purpose of God here on earth. And that's why I want to say this to you. Men and women, your position 
doesn't determine your worth or your value. It doesn't determine your significance. It doesn't determine how important you are. No, your worth is embedded in the person of Jesus, whom God created you to be. And I'm going to take a moment. I just want to speak to a few ladies here today. You're working so hard in your career to be better than the men. You're working so hard in your career that, that you might trample and show these men that, yeah, women can. Let me tell you, without working hard, you can. Here's where the problem is. You are, you are binding your identity to what you do. The day what you do is removed, you crush. But the day you choose to bind your identity to Jesus, whatever comes your way, you remain. There are men in this place. You have been said of and you've been told things that have demeaned you, that have crushed you. There are things that have been said about men and I've had this in society. Men are dogs, men are beasts. Men are this, men are that. And, and some of us men have grown up in such a way that we look down and we never look up because we feel that the world has stepped on us. Everywhere you turn, you hear girl, child, girl, child, girl, child, woman, empowerment, woman, woman, woman. And now suddenly the men are beginning to feel, okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me elevate you again. Irrespective of what the world has said, just like the ladies, your worth is not in what you do or in what you haven't done. Your worth is in God. So I want to challenge anyone who's into the feminist movement. And I say this categorically. Stop pursuing ungodly principles and laws. Amen. As I conclude this, when God created the universe, he created it with order to thrive and flourish. But through the sin of Adam, all got messed up. The Bible said when he came, Jesus came, he came to seek and save that which was lost. He redeems us from our fallenness. Would you embrace him today? God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watotochurch.com. Hey, hey,